just so yes, I don't cool. forget. What was what That's did you right. want to talk about again today? Well, you mentioned about the Garden of Eden and also about adding in the watches with it and um some Gnostic elements and stuff in that I've been writing down. Um I took a whole bunch of notes. So I wanted to mention where the watches come from, the name, and uh the serpent in the garden being uh Seraphim, like yeah. one of the angels, possibly. The yeah. So so stuff like that, man, like I just thought heaps different, you know. And about the watchers sharing forbidden knowledge like architecture and makeup and shit like that, you know? Metallurgy. Yeah. Weapons, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. So I thought you'd have a lot of fun with this subject too. And I thought we could mention aliens or whatever. And we can mention everything in this subject, bro, you know? It's a really open subject you pick, which is fucking cool. We got some things that we're gonna talk about today. That's good. So uh let's start, let's start with the garden eden, because um Talked about that earlier. Um, I did that YouTube uh, video with this guy named Enigma Seeker. He's on uh, on uh, Twitter, and he has a lot of great information, man. Um, it was interesting to uh, get his ideas from his research on where the Garden of Eden is. So I wanted to ask you, what was your what it, from your understanding? Where is the Garden of Eden at? Well, if you go by mythological stories, somewhere in the Middle East, really. Otherwise, if you go by, say, obviously it didn't actually happen. If you want to go by, say, if it did historically, I guess Africa has life again out of Africa. But uh, Mesopotamia, for instance, had the first mention of the garden. So it would be somewhere in the Samaria. Then you also had the Babylonian high gardens or whatever it was called. Hanging gardens, I think it was. Right, right. Whichever mm-hmm. it was called. So mm-hmm. it, most likely based on a bit of that. Mm-hmm. But another thing I want to mention too, which I found interesting, is the whole story of the Christians killing serpents or St. Patrick killing the serpents and all that sort of stuff in Ireland. All that story actually derives from the killing of the Gnostics and, say, the Druids, the wisdom of the old, of the old serpent wisdom, basically. So like Kundalini's, Chakras, um, Kabbalah, and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I found that really, really interesting. Not many right. people talk about that either. Right. But yeah, cause- also... Sorry, Ty. You, no, you no, go ahead, go, go ahead, go, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to mention also with the Garden of Eden story, when you go with the Gnostic elements, say from the Apocalypse of Adam, or even the Holy Book of the Visible Spirit, God and his angels aren't what they seem they are. They're more demonic, and Adam and Eve are made to serve out of fear and in slavery. Mm-hmm. And that they're created as one being originally, but it was because this arrogant evil God, according to this Gnostic text, wanted to create man, which is God in sp- the spirit form that he's seen a reflection of in the waters, but he made this lifeless being, breathes life into Adam basically, and uh, gives a bit of his power. So he splits Adam into two, Adam and Eve, and basically trapping human souls to keep serving him in fear and slavery, basically, which is pretty interesting. And Similar is, to like the fallen angels. And this is the Gnostic? Yes. Uh, Christian Gnostic, or is it? Yes, Christian Gnostic, this okay. would be. Yes. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. That, all right. Yeah, because see, what um I, I have different ideas of where the Garden of Eden is because I have, you know, uh read different books of uh where it could be at. I mean, I've read anywhere from you know South Africa to like you said, Mesopotamia, Egypt. Um, some people who haven't who who even included uh the Americas, you know, North America in particular. Oh. You know, um, it's interesting because there is, I'm not going to say 
absolute evidence because there's no absolute evidence when it comes to showing where the garden even Eden is. Everybody has enough evidence to claim where they believe the garden of Eden is, you know? Um, so um, when I read about the garden of Eden, um, from what I understand is that it's basically a location somewhere on earth or many locations on this earth. Also spirit realm. Or spirit realm. Yeah. That, was where gods and humans can interact and in many ways you know if as long as you lived in the garden of eden as a human you was to live forever i guess i mean that's basically uh, basically right okay because i i'm just trying to make sure i understand it correctly because you know some you know, there's so, like I said, there's so many ideas, but that's basically the yes. foundation that I understand of it. And then you also had the Sumerian version where humans could procreate it. And then you had the Garden of Eden story where it wasn't meant to be like that. It was meant to be just Adam and Eve serving God. That's where you had the fallen angels coming down to earth as they want to have sex, as sex was forbidden in heaven, procreation, forbidden in heaven in a sense. But even the watchers, that comes from the Greek word Gregory, which is a Greek transliteration of a Gregory, which means those who are awake in God. So this being said, that gives a whole new meaning to the word. So these people sharing knowledge, such as fire, metal energy, teaching women how to apply makeup and architecture. This is just knowledge, basically, that they were condemned to death for. Basically, it's similar to the Greek story with uh, sharing the knowledge of fire and then the crows pick out his eyes and they return each day and they pick out his liver and stuff as punishment from Zeus. So it's pretty interesting. We have these sort of stories. Right, right. And we also have the stories in Gnosticism with Yao the Bayoff in the Apocalypse of Adam, apparently having three sons, which is Yao, Eloi, and Astiphios. And apparently a wise instructor, which could be Jesus, is instructing Adam and Eve to eat the fruit, and they realize their nakedness, and they see their beastly creators. And it's interesting mm-hmm. when it mentions beastly, because if you look at old gods, they were half animal, half humans. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's throughout multiple and, that, and that's the Gnostic version, right? Yes, that's the Gnostic it, you version, know, yes. It's so crazy because I can't remember where I, I just heard this from, but um, I was watching something and it brought up angels. When you get the depiction of angels using the many different ideas from, you know, from all religious aspects, these it's angels, <laughs> exactly. Like if you was to see one, it would be something that frightens you. But when you read the Holy Bible, they were messengers. They were people hmm. who gave messages or not people, they were individuals who gave people messages from whatever, from the Elohim. And they always they, afraid. Yeah. And, you know, when you see these angels, you know, dep- uh, in, in movies and stuff like that, they have wings usually, um, but they don't ever depict the actual. No. Um, I don't believe they have what? ever once in film. Oh, once actually on the Pinocchio cartoon, they did. And that was pretty interesting. Just the first bit of it, then it opens up its wings and you can see a person. But besides that, the actual form, you see the eyes and the wings and stuff, which is really, really Yeah, that's cool. what I say. Like most of the yeah. most of the, the the ideas that I know from what an actual angel looks like from the old, you know, ideas is that they had many eyes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm also glad you mentioned the angels because there's a story about um Lucifer or I should say Satan, sorry, two different beings. Satan, or even the serpent in the garden, being a seraphim. So the serpent in the garden being the wisest of God's creations, 
seraphing being punished with the serpent form as if you see the scene in exodus i think it was with moses making the statue for the people to worship after being bitten by poisonous snakes it's a snake and it's represented by um well it's named burning ones mm-hmm. which is pretty I've much heard that before, also burning ones I've heard yeah that before. it's also referred to with the seraphim which were like six winged angels with the eyes on i'm pretty sure that was a particular one you know i also want to mention something else with the name of the fallen angel because i've been looking at some of the ancient language the name samyaza actually means gazes at the heavens or from the heavens as well which i also found interesting so this goes back into these ideas of awakened so one's sharing knowledge so really they're not really evil even with the serpent in the garden it's telling the truth and that's why recent it's mentioned as the wisest of all creatures so it's punished essentially for telling the truth which is quite interesting so this this god in the bible is not really a god and then we got the sumerians even they get jealous and they get fearful of us that we're pre- procreating so much so you have this yeah. idea of god's being jealous of us and having to separate us from eternity and knowledge as if we live forever and have all this knowledge we're basically more powerful than them you know we're right. on their equal level the, so you, have this fear. you mentioned you mentioned earlier um lucifer satan um i liked how you said that they're two different people because a lot of people yep. believe they are actually the same um i know uh i've read it so many different ways but uh you know the first because you also mentioned mentioned the fallen angels the first fallen angel was who do you consider him? Who do you what do you call him? Satan, the devil, Lucifer? I mean, who was the first fallen angel? Because well, some people say Lucifer, and some people say that name I just mentioned, Delisa, Samyaza, which means gaze from heavens or gazes. But that's from that's from the book of Enoch. Sam- Enoch, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have say Gnostics that fallen angels are essentially us. Mm. And essentially that we're stuck in a material world and trying to return to the source, return home, energy, one with God again. Or you have the sense of, say, the Elohim being the fallen angels and they were the gods of old. Yeah. So it's, yeah, all up to interpretation, really, of oneself, of how you see the stories. Yeah, um, and see, the reason why I said that was because when we go back to... uh Let's go back to uh, the Garden of Eden. Um, the Satan, we'll just say Satan, uh, got Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. Now, we talked about, you know, the forbidden fruit in the past. I talked about, you know, the Sumerian cuneiform tablets or the Mesopotamian, I shouldn't say Sumerian, but the Mesopotamian tablets uh, that actually say, you know, uh, what what it was that the forbidden fruit was and I told you from Anton Parks his book Eden he talks about how Inky gave metallurgy hmm. to you know to humankind and metallurgy is basically the beginning of agriculture and um, you know good and evil is you know the agricultural part being able to sustain ourselves by creating and or not just creating, but harvesting, you know, grain and stuff like that. And then the evil part of it is by the destructive weapons that we have, you know, the bullets, knives, swords, yeah, you know, all the things that can take somebody's life away. And, um, you know, is it a bad thing? Because you said, you know, earlier, uh, you know, we talked about good and evil. 
Is it a bad thing that somebody taught us how to do agriculture and that later on taught us how to create a weapon to shoot a bullet or, you know, a nuclear weapon? I mean, is that, I mean, is where would we be without the idea of knowing how to create agriculture, how to sustain ourselves by that? Well, I don't, I don't think there'd be too much like, wrong with it because ideas can lead to all sorts. We have to fuck up in order to find out what's right. But another thing is we're making weapons way before agriculture. You were, we were hunters and gatherers and stuff, you know? Man, I'm so glad you said there's that. also yeah. that, you know? Yeah, because I'm reading a book right now called Forbidden Archaeology, and they talk about bolas and, you know, uh, spare heads and, you know, different types of weapons and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, of course we were, I mean, there's obviously uh, some type of, uh, war that was with the the Neanderthals and the uh the Homo yep. sapiens, you know. Yeah, man. Uh, like all different species were all fighting each other, also intermingling too. You know, it wasn't all just as barbarian some people like to say. Like, yeah, and it wasn't yeah, all just cherry and loving yeah. like some people like to say either. You know, it was like fucking yeah. middle ground. You know, so it's, it's interesting. Like humans have been That's as why we smart got so as many what they were back then. People today. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like back that. then intelligent people like such as us we were philosophers and medicine men back then you know like people were just as intelligent like some people believed all the myths and all that 100 like religion today some didn't you know even greek philosophers didn't believe all the stories and they seen that some of these traits were too petty to be gods and they were just human ideas you know which is pretty cool so also sorry sorry i was gonna mention about cave paintings no go ahead go ahead like I was baffled to see cave paintings with us riding horses, hunting mammoths. Have you seen any of that, Tyro? Yeah, um, I know mammoths were around all the way up until maybe, you know, just for just maybe about three or four, maybe five, six thousand years ago. Hmm. Yeah, man, they survived up to the Egyptian times, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. The last one was found there in Egypt or something like that. Yeah, from mm-hmm, what I remember. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I read yeah. that. I read that so many different in so many different articles. Yeah. <clears throat> But that, but that's what I'm saying is that reading that book, Forbidden Archaeology, has taught me has taught me a lot because, you know, we always talk about what is a human, what make what what is a human. You know, I can ask you what is your idea of a human. You'll give me your idea, and I'll have one, and you know, ten other people will have one. And uh, I know in the book it always talks about anatomically human, so I'm guessing that's more like the the shape of how we look, basically. And yeah, the upright can, form. Yeah, and you can tell even though um, we, if you line ten different people up, you're going to get ten different ways of people looking, and you know, de- depending on their environment, the food they eat, the health, and all that other stuff contributes to how they look. You know. Yes. Um, we, we, uh, you know, we were in, in the Bible, it says we were created in God's image. <clears throat> so I always wanted to know what exactly God looked like. That's the, everybody wants to know that whether you believe in God or not, at one point in your life, that question always popped in your head. What does God like? Because everybody, because you can't, you you can't be an atheist and not question your question that. You know why? Well, because the original idea of it was man and woman, so it's meant to be both traits. Yeah, a drag, know, so. and, and, yeah, and Yeah. 
So, and then from there, it started to remove the feminine side, and then we had the full on masculine, masculine side. That's why side, we have people yeah. think of God as this whole dude with the beard, you know, or Morgan Freeman. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, women, if they were looked at, you know, on a high standard, they had to have, you know, some type of, you know, yep. uh, beard. I mean, I, I, I did read that. used to use it, <clears throat> but. I always wanted to know what God looked like. We always want to know, right? And I was telling you earlier, I was, I'm writing an article on melanin, right? Because, you know, throughout, you know, for some reason, um, color seems to be something that everybody discusses, right? No matter what it is. We got our Gnostic views. We got our personal views. We got our religious views. We have whatever. And you talked about the watchers, right? You talked about the fallen watchers, right? Um and, and before we even started recording, I think we talked about you said you wanted to bring a little bit of aliens into it, right? So let's just let's let's put that in perspective, right? Um, aliens, we know right now in our solar system, or at least in what we know as what's around us right now, we know that we go around, we orbit our sun, right? And there are certain other planets out there, depending on if you believe Pluto is a planet or not. <clears throat> There are a certain amount of number of plants that go around orbit the sun with 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 Earth, right? We know right now that there is no other planet around us that can um, hold life like us, right? An alien form of what any science fiction anybody might think of or whatever religious idea that you have of what God or gods or the Elohim may look like. If we put something out there, aliens out there, they're not close enough to our sun. So what would they look like? Because for one, they wouldn't be close to our sun, right? They wouldn't be have able, their own sun too. Right. The gravity, what kind of gravity they have, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff plays a major part in, yes. you know, how, how they look. Right. 100%. And, um, if they created us, right. Why would they create us so small? Like, uh, it's amazing because no matter what on plan, no matter what religious text you read or um, myth myth that you read, the gods created humans to do something for them. Basically, toil the earth, yep. be their, you know, their the 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 people that brought them food and cooked their food, and you know, no matter what, they needed us, right? Yeah, to do their things. Absolutely most right. of the time, these individuals were tall and big giants right why would they make something so much smaller than them and their the amount of stuff that we can do for them would be in a smaller amount rather than something yeah. you know you also know. why make us so far away <laughs> yeah or make us so far away from where they actually need it because there's so many ideas on why they they came here right and I know, and, and and I truly believe in aliens and stuff like that. But you know, it does talk about in the text something from up above came down. They were watchers, no matter whether you call them watchers, extraterrestrials, aliens, gods. I don't care what word you were. Something from up above came down. Right? They came down and brought us. Um, knowledge right now in the religious aspect of things um something came from above and gave us knowledge and they were called watchers angels 
um, gods, uh, you know, extraterrestrials. I have another thing aliens. I'd like to add to this as well, Tyrone. What's that? And that is with, say, if it is angels, who's to say that they didn't just come here, want to know that there's other consciousness out there, and then simply left and we took it for much more, you know? Who knows? Yeah. As well. But see, that's the thing. There's so many theories, but I, I don't, I'm, I know about the Gnostic ideas and theories there's so many different ones just because you know yes. gnostics and i can never say that word right for some reason that world is is, is it's it's a personal belief basically you know mm-hmm. based off uh personal experience i guess yes. I, I, that's what i get so far from talking to many people who follow that including you right mm-hmm. and um i when if I read the Holy Bible, they're, they're, they were angels. Now, in the Holy Bible, it says that there were a certain amount of angels that came with Satan or whoever you want to consider him as, right? Came down with him. I, um, I've read anywhere from 50 to a couple of hundred, right? Depending on what traditional myth, oral story you follow or read, uh, the number changes. And I... We, when we talked about the Garden of Eden, there was some that's that that's on planet Earth, right? And that means that these individuals, including us, that's a place where we can interact with one another. Um, these individuals, these angels and gods or whatever you want to call them, can die, right? Like they 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 don't have a lifespan. They do live for thousands of years, depending on what text you read, but they can die, right? Yes. Well, you know, it's something funny you mentioned this. There are a few Gnostics that believe that Jesus' crucifixion was actually him swapping places with this old God of the Bible and uh, getting rid of these old sacrificing gods. No, I believe this as a different type. But I also found that a little bit interesting as well, you know. Tell me about that. Hmm. Um, Well, the idea of that one was uh, with... Jesus saying, oh, why have you forsaken me or whatever you think? That's pretty much Yahweh saying it's pretty much about forsaking him. Pretty much so, trading places. Then you have the idea of even Jesus trading places with um, Judas Iscariot and Mm -hmm. um, the person who was carrying the cross. I've got his name now, but I think it might be Simon. Be honest, I think it was Simon that was carrying his cross. But yeah, many different types of Gnostics and men are also different. Many different branches of Christianity, as you know, from Arianism that believed Jesus was a spirit. Um, you also had the idea of Jesus Gnosticism just hating the gods in general, and that the 12 disciples were the 12 archons, and him being replacing the Yadabaoth, killing it off, getting rid of it since God's no longer around. But that's that belief still lingers to this day, actually, which is quite surprising. Um not very popular opinion though, but it's, it's an ancient one still. That's crazy. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I just typed this into to um to AI chat, and I says, uh, "Let me ask you: Do you believe in Jesus as a Christian?" I believe a, a, a historical figure figured, but well, not his name wasn't Jesus, of course. We mm-hmm. don't really know his name. I'd say Yeshu or Yeshua, mm-hmm. but. I see an esoteric mystic man, an Essene, which was a Gnostic way of thinking, because Gnosticism is found in Judaism. The idea of the eternal soul or us carrying the divine spark is found in Judaism. That, that is Gnostic. Mm. So Jesus would have been... What, what, what's what's Gnostic okay. exactly? 
when you say that? Well, spiritual knowledge, esoteric okay. knowledge, basically, secret knowledge. So, so esoteric knowledge. Yeah, well, is, spiritual knowledge, gnosis. So it's also a Greek is, word for knowledge, but specifically spiritual knowledge, knowledge from within oneself. Spiritual knowledge is Gnostics. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Because I typed in, um, I typed in GP uh, uh, in in AI chat because you know I told you this is some of the things that I think you should get into, right? And I type yeah. in does not the Gnostics believe in Jesus, and it says Gnostics have varying beliefs about Jesus. Some Gnostics yes. identify Jesus as an embodiment of the supreme being who became incarnate to bring Gnosis to the yep, earth gnosis. while or gnosis i, I keep yep, messing doesn't matter. gnosis and gnosis is fine yeah i heard it so many different ways hmm. uh, to the earth while others adamantly denied that the supreme being came in the flesh claiming jesus to be merely a human who attained enlightenment through a gnosis and taught his disciples to do the same yeah, there are also mm-hmm. Gnostics that believe Jesus was a myth. They probably wouldn't say it there, but that's the case. Yeah, but that goes with and, the, yeah. the, the, the uh, varying beliefs about Jesus. Yes, yes. Mm. Like some even believed he was a mushroom, you know, or well, a spirit inside the mushroom, I should say, actually. Oh, technically, I want to type that in there. I want to type that in there. Does, yeah. Gnostics, does Gnostics believe in what? Is, what was it? Jesus, Jesus is inside the magic mushroom. There's a Mexican cult to this day that still holds onto that belief, which is interesting. And they, this particular theory goes into this is one reason the Romans were destroying the magic mushrooms. They were destroying magic mushrooms because Christians were taking them. But this is one reason they said, and this is one reason they were trying to hide who Christ really was through secret rituals and mysteries, which the early Christians were into. It was very, very much Gnostic. But Gnosticism is very old. It goes back to Ephedemius in ancient mm-hmm. Greek and other mystery schools within Mesopotamia, Egypt, and even Persia. So, so let me... Let yeah. me get this it's way. spiritual said, knowledge, basically. Because I'm telling you, man, this is this this is good. Because, okay, so here it goes. <laughs> there is a theory proposed by John Marco Allegro in his book, "The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross," that Jesus never existed as a historical figure, but was a but was rather a mythological creation of early christians under the influence of psychoactive mushroom abstracts such as i don't even know how to say it uh p-s-i-l-o-c-b-i-n and it says however this theory has been subject to ridicule and scorn and is not widely accepted do, do you know who has got ridicule bro? Well, I've heard of him, but the funny thing is he didn't come up with that theory. It's an older theory. He just fucking wrote it and added his own stuff yeah, into yeah, it, yeah. basically. You know, so that's one reason it costs ridicule. But that's another reason. That's something mm-hmm. they don't fully tell you. There's always a little need-to-know basis with history. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much suppressed. Like, I just discovered um, Mary the Jewess or Maria the Prophetess, and she was mm-hmm. the first alchemist in history. She's pretty much credited to making up the still that we still use today in our distillery works. Mm-hmm. And she was a woman, she was a Gnostic, but mm-hmm. a lot of her writings mostly been lost. But point is, we don't know fuck all about this woman, and she's influenced a lot of modern history to this day. And she was in the first century. You so know, there's a lot of history that's kept hush-hush, you yeah. know. So seraphim are celestial or heavenly beings originating in ancient Judaism and are considered the highest rank in Christian angel- angelology and the fifth rank of ten in Jewish angelic hierarchy. Yeah, well, that makes sense because 
the Satan or whatever is meant to be the smartest of God's creatures. Well, actually, that's reference to the serpent, which is actually a different being. But some say that serpent was a seraphim in some old folklores and traditions and was cursed with a serpent, bodied the cruel on its belly and shit. <laughs> Just interesting. But yeah, depending on the type of Judaism, Christianity, etc. All right, well, you know what? We talked about, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. But another thing is with the Garden of Eden, that could be just a symbolism of living in God's commandment too, or you living in heaven. And if you're disobeying God, you could be in hell basically or cast out of the garden. So symbolic to that as well. Also symbolic that the tree of life is also you as the tree of life, Kabbalah is your tree of life. So it also goes to your ancestors, your family, your level of being, life, death, um, consciousness, different realms, etc. Also goes into planets, of course, like 12 zodiacs and all that sort of stuff. So now, one thing I want to mention too, Tyrone, just before I forget, with that person who wrote about Jesus being the magic mushroom, how said the theory is older, mm -hmm. the difference is between him and this theory was the spirit was inside of the magic mushroom, not the magic mushroom itself. So Christ was inside the magic mushroom. So you took the magic mushroom to contact Christ right. or could contact Christ. So that's where that idea comes from. He just sort of turn it into his own sort of usage, his own interpretation. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I've read, and that's what I'm saying. Like it, when you read any of the ancient translation, like the ancient text from the translate, uh, the the translations from the ancient text, it's always based on somebody's interpret interpretation. Yeah. Always. Always. Exactly right. And that that's why it's, it's hard to find what's true and what, what's not because there's no way it's person it's somebody's personal interpretation i mean two people can be standing right next to each other watching a car accident and describing that car accident you know yes. totally different i mean it's going to have a basic core and foundation of it you know it was a red car some people would say it was a maroon car or um i, I don't know and that's one reason why there was never one just head priest there was a bunch of them you know, they had the sort of the top one and stuff like that. They always had a gathering. They sort of come to agreements, but they all had their own sort of interpretations as well, you know, and they'll discuss them together. It wasn't until a little bit later that other people started going on saying, oh, my view's right and yours is wrong when stuff become strictly dogma. Right. When early texts were meant to be questioned, even in early Judaism, like they meant to question the text and because they understood it was being influenced by man and stuff like that. And then that eventually become taboo. Yeah. So this now I asked it. I said, did Inky give metal urgy to humankind? Because remember, I I um I uh, talked about that before. So it said it couldn't find anything specific about Inky giving metal urgy to humankind. Hmm. I'm gonna go get the book real quick. <laughs> and I'm gonna no show worries. You. No worries at all. Yeah, my chicken's going off. I think one of them's laying an egg. So the reason why I'm doing this is because a lot of people are starting to say, oh, AI is going to take over. It's just going to keep getting smarter and blah, 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 blah. Well, I asked it. I said, did Inky give metallurgy to a human kind? I asked so many different questions about it. Okay. Actually, it was CBS 1165. So I was wrong. So this is what it says, right? <laughs> this says the artisan Inky revealed the secret of metallurgy to the woman while his sons the great messenger 
observers cast metal and cohabited with her, the mother of the human race. The mother knows the secret of the gods, the tool revealed. And this is supposed to be uh, uh, related to what's written in the Holy Bible, Genesis 6, 1 through 5, and the book of Enoch, chapter 8 and 1. That's what that is. Now, hold on. Okay, yeah, so it was 8322. It says, and this is on page 142 of Eden. It says, CBS 8322, column 2, the, the serpent inky, the serpent inky, Okay. Presents the fruit of the tree to woman. In fact, a tool, a burin, B-U-R-I-N, he lets humanity taste its destiny. He lets him taste luxury and health, good, but also the possibility of using tools as weapons of war, evil. That's what I was talking about earlier. And this is supposed to be in relation to uh, the Holy Bible, Genesis 3 one through five, where it says the serpent reveals to woman that if she tastes of the fruit of the tree, humanity will have another destiny that of being able to distinguish between good and evil. And that was the new standard American Bible. Now I typed that. Now this is what I typed in to chat GBT. I said, uh, let's see. I said, um, Anton Park's accuracy, and it tells, and I, and I talked about that where it says people said his information is good. Then I said, Anton Park's forbidden fruit, and it says he suggests the Garden of Eden, the serpent, and the fall of man are presented in a completely new light and is basically trying to promote his book or whatnot. And then I asked it other theories about the forbidden fruit, and it, you know, that's when it talked about the, the apple, the fig, the pomegranate. Granat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh I said, did Inky give metallurgy to humankind? And the reason why I asked these type of questions is because I wanted to see how accurate you had to be with the questions. So I said, did Inky give metallurgy to humankind? Right. And it says Inky is the Sumerian god of water, knowledge, crafts, and creation. He was later known as EA hmm. in Akkadian and Babylonian mythology. Inky was considered the keeper of the divine powers called me the gifts of civilization however they couldn't find anything the ai couldn't find anything specifically about inky giving metallurgy to humankind so i said that right yeah well it's interesting so, about about giving them weapons well teach them how to make weapons of war and one reason is is because even the gods were fighting amongst each other they were jealous of each other's ranks trying to outcompete each other trying to gain the most worshippers which is pretty interesting yeah, but this this book is um this book is crazy because it's supposed to give you uh, you know an idea of what the, the the Mesopotamians say. I know a lot of people say Sumerians, and it's kind of hard to say just the Sumerians because a lot of the cuneiform yeah, the Babylonians of, too. Yeah, the which Katie, pretty much similar. Yeah, and yeah. everybody else. So it's kind of hard just to say what. Um, I know he mentions Samuel Noah Kramer in his in his books a lot so it gives me an idea of um where he's getting his information from so it's it's pretty accurate um like i said it's all based on you know everybody else's interpretation but guess what hmm. 
none of them showed the actual pictographs because when I took a class from Barilan University, um, Dr. Nili Samet, uh, she said, you know, the 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 Mesopotamian civilization started basically around 3200 BC, and it was because and pictographic script was um, its first writing system. And if you know anything about pictographic script is basically what we use today when we call emojis and stuff like that, you know, so it's basically, you know, you can type in a, an emoji sentence and you'll have one meeting and the person that's reading it can have pretty much an idea of what you're saying, but it, it, it would be totally, it could be totally different. Like, yeah, yes. left will be left and right will be right. But then you want to go to the religious aspect um east was actually north to to these people because that's where you know yeah. that's just how so i'm was. glad to settle this because even say the egyptian hieroglyphs some whether they're animal pictures meaning letters sometimes mm -hmm. those pictures can mean two different words right you know and so even ancient judaism like two words can mean the one letter or one sentence or whatever so it's inter it's interesting how language works and how it's evolved yeah, it, it's crazy because he gives you, um, like, the Mesopotamian clay tablets. Like, uh, we, we was talking about earlier aliens, right? And um, uh, if we bring aliens into this idea, uh, you, you all you're doing is replacing the word God, Elohim, yeah. for extraterrestrials. And, another thing, you just gave me another... Um, remembrance uh, thank you so much tyrone for this some gnostics believe that god was an unknowable alien god no so i thought you said that because all the texts back then were meant to be taken symbolically they all had things yeah, you know different meanings symbolically exactly yeah because i'm going to be told around campfires around the community you know we've discussed this so many times previously so those watching need to check out our earlier videos <laughs> you know for sure but, that, but that's why i say i i wanted to understand the actual meaning you know, when like when you read the the um the some of the Rig Vedas, uh you're you'll hear or or the Mahabharata, you'll read about aerial chariots or vimanas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering why are they talking about flying aircraft in the sky? But then you think in your head, okay, these people spend a lot of time looking in the sky. Their imaginations yep. are gonna run wild. 